Mozart was a dirty little man. Um, he wrote a whole <laughs> song about. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you very much for joining us for our second episode of Amadeus. Yeah, you know what makes for a really exciting start of a program? No, I don't. Forgetting to hit record. Well, see, this has happened before. <laughs> Not at the beginning, I don't think. But In the middle. At other, at, <laughs> at other crucial moments during a podcast, yes, we've forgotten to press record and we've wasted hours of our time. It's true. But so- this time... This time you were here to catch my mistake, and that's why I've got you here. It's true. Not because I have witty banter, but because I... I no, no, that, also that too. Also that too. <laughs> See, that was something that happened incidentally after. I, I was like, all right, I need someone to help me remember to press record. And then you happen to be amazing. Yeah, except when I'm not. <laughs> But that's never. So <laughs> let's go forward from now. So this is our second part of our Amadeus review. And uh, so we're going to go really quickly because we've got a special guest waiting in the wings for us to introduce. And he's going to give us a lot of special industry insights. Yes, we have with us today Dr. Jess. Uh, Dr. Jess Hendricks of uh, Composer's Cape, a popular um vlog on youtube i'm really excited for this yes uh, we have someone who is an expert in musical composition and it i'm just very thrilled to to have uh, dr jess with us well indeed so so let's uh i have no personal news do you have any news to to go let uh, i'm just in act one right now i want to get us through the normal stuff just so we can get to our very special stuff. Do you have any news? It's my birthday. That's all I have. Oh my God, it's your birthday. And also congratulations on getting married and are you pregnant yet? Oh, geez. <laughs> okay, so Dr. Jess. Let's talk to Dr. Jess. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, before we continue on, I just want to remind everybody that you can join us on Facebook and Twitter at Rose Tinted Reels and join our Facebook group, RTR Community Face Place. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and all the rest of it, we'll read it here on the podcast. So... On to Act 2, our bonus expert interview. So, please, without further ado, welcome Dr. Jess. Hi. Could you give us a short rundown on who you are and what you do? Well, currently, to make money, I am a developer with iFit, but I got my doctorate in uh, music composition from the University of Miami and Coral Cables. Always wanted to be a film composer, but um, as the uh, now great Junkie XL, who is commonly known now as Tom Hulkenborg said, you have a 0.0001% chance of that ever happening. So what I do is I mostly compose music I like. I have all this fancy gear to do that, and I put it up on Spotify and Apple Music and do the YouTube show on the side. Just to get your flavor of films, what are your top five favorite films? Uh, See, I just, this question is very hard, and it will change the next time you ask me, yeah. um, number one right now, like if I'm going to go upstairs, it's like you may choose to watch one movie. It would probably, my go-to movie has been Man of Steel just because it's... What? Yeah, it's such a hopeful movie and the music and just, I've watched that movie so many times. Can I blow your mind right now yeah. about uh, Man of Steel? I haven't seen it. Yeah. Really? I didn't know Ooh. you hadn't seen it. Yeah, no, I've seen Justice League. Which Justice League have you seen? I saw both. I saw the Joss Whedon and the Zack Snyder, and I like the Zack Snyder more. I don't know if we're going to have a dispute about that. I know some of my friends absolutely hate 
the and I mean hate uh, the Zack Snyder film. But I, I, I thought still it was need better. to see Snyder cut before I can make a definitive hate or not statement. I just thought it was it was better paced and the, the story made more sense, the villain made more sense. And oh, the villain was night and day. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say that uh Steppen- like felt sorry for him. <laughs> Steppenwolf's uh armor texture uh enhancements for the Snyder cut. I'm a textural person. It weirded me out his armor a little bit. On the Snyder cut? Mm-hmm. It was supposed to. Yeah. 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 It, it was unsettling. It, he w- <laughs> he wanted it to look more alien instead of a weird guy with the helmet. Yeah. And someone did some fan art of him without the helmet and he looks Stupid. <laughs> but, um, now to give you a little yeah, bit of context for Allison's distaste for weird textures, have you seen The Mandalorian? Oh yeah. Okay, so I think it was oh. episode one or two. With he, the egg. yeah, he rescues he rescues an egg from a, a giant beast, and the egg is kind of yeah. furry, and it absolutely turned <laughs> Allison's stomach. She couldn't stand looking at it. It just the textures. Uh, it's like my wife has that with foods. There's some foods she doesn't like, not because of their taste, but because of their texture. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do these, these top five films. This is it. I haven't tried this. You know, I'm a, these, let's go. Can I say no particular order? Okay. Except for Man of Steel is still decisively number one, and Zack Snyder's wow. Justice League. We'll throw the whole trilogy in, even though it's not. It's but there's supposed to be two more movies, but that'll never happen because Warner Brothers sucks. So Man <laughs> of Steel, Batman v Superman. Zack Snyder's just as Batman v Superman. If you haven't seen it, when you watch it for the first time, you must watch the Ultimate Edition, or it won't make a damn bit of sense. Okay, noted. Um, all right, so we got those Amadeus and um, choose a Star Wars movie. I'll, I'll, if I have to choose one, I will go with Empire Strikes Back. Sure, yeah, that's the old standby. Everyone goes with Empire. I'm actually a New Hope sort of person. I like New Hope a lot. It introduced me to the universe, and I just think that it. It was so different from anything else that I had ever seen. And I saw it as a young boy and it just opened my mind to sci-fi and all these crazy things. So I, my heart just goes mm-hmm. with a new hope and fantasy. So it's, and fantasy. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say most underrated star Wars movie. It's solo. Solo mm-hmm. is, is oh. absolutely a hoot. I love I solo. I love that movie so much. Yeah. And the last Jedi was art. Well, see, now we're going to have we're going to clash horns a little bit because I thought Last Jedi uh, belonged in a pile of uh, something, you know, you know what I'm going for. I love that J.J. Abrams said, here's part one of the story. And Rian Johnson's like, "Okay, I'm going to have some fun with this. So, no, I I thought that a lot. I thought a lot was really great about that movie. And I, I liked that they were trying to take things in new directions and things like that. I just thought they really mistreated Luke. Actually, I thought that was great. <laughs> I thought it was great that he absolutely got broken. It's the same. All right, so I don't know. I'm I'm trying to gauge what your reaction to Batman v Superman is because in Batman v Superman, you don't get this in Justice League. In Batman v Superman, Bruce is broke down, just like Luke in Last Jedi. He yeah. is he has been a- absolutely defeated by Gotham City. Well, see, and I don't mind. I don't mind that as an arc for a character or a hero or someone that used to be the the kind of fresh faced protagonist that you were hoping for a very positive arc. I don't mind that they take that in a negative direction. It was just that I felt like they didn't give him enough a justification for being that way or just enough uh, substance to his script, even if he was if he was going to be good or bad or gray or however they were going to spin it. I just didn't think he had enough. Yeah, fair enough. It was also weird. Um, 
and something I'd, I'd never thought about with Star Wars movies is that Star Wars movies, the movies itself are generally contained in a very short time frame, except Empire mm. Strikes Back, that's debatable. We don't know how long he was on Dagobah mm. and how long they were in Cloud City. Sure, yeah. Um, but the rest, they also, but it was very clear that the last Jedi occurred in like just a few days. So what were your but, thoughts on the very okay. last of the, uh, the ninth movie? It was a popcorn movie. It was, it was fine, I guess. I don't get, you know, I, I'll watch it for completion. Um, yeah. John Boyega, you could list him right alongside Ray Fisher, actors of color who have been completely mistreated. Sure. Even nowadays, that's more shocking. I mean, the restored cyborg in Zack Snyder's Justice League is absolutely amazing. And the fact that they cut all of that out yeah. because they... Jeff yeah. John said we can't have an angry black man in our in this movie. Was that actually and something someone said? That was someone's position. Jeff Johns. Wow, wow. you know I, that I hadn't heard very that. famous comic book artist. Um, he's also the one that told Ray Fisher he would end his career. Um, Joss Whedon said it to Gal Gadot. Oh, you know, I, I heard, heard that there was a controversy with uh, Joss Whedon and Gal Gadot. I didn't know what it was. Well, out of the myriad yeah, of Joss, Joss Whedon, Whedon and Fisher. Joss Wheaton v. Women, there, there's a lot to go through there. <laughs> right. Probably Joss more Wheaton than... is done. Yeah. Is he done? Yeah. Well, maybe He's so. Done. Yeah, I haven't heard the details of all that's gone on with him, but yeah, it's from the sound of it, it seems like that's the case. Affleck tried to uh, stage a walkout of all the actors because of the way he was treating them. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, so, crazy. But yeah, John yeah, Boyega, yeah. I thought that they... they he, he was like Luke. I thought he was totally underserved. Is it, they built up his character like it was going to be something, and then he was kind of like a glorified extra. I mean, yeah, and then they and then they just tagged on the oh yeah, he's got force sensitivity at the very end, and it's like really you could have completely built that up. You could have right. had two because they need more than one Jedi to teach, and then she went and made her own lightsaber and is like wandering the galaxy. Um, but here's the thing: that's a Chris Terrio script. You could tell there was more there. Right for that last movie, it, yeah. It's like Abrams is like there is no Abrams cut. That's the final version. Is like, but no, there's definitely got to be more because like Chris yeah. does not write simpleton scripts. Batman v Superman, the only good version is almost three hours long. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is you know four famously, mm-hmm. yep. and if you cut it, it diminishes it exponentially. Before we leave it, I just need to know how you feel about Cesar Romero. Hilarious. He refused to shave his mustache, so they uh, they they painted it white. <laughs> no, but his Joker laugh is beautiful. But you all know who the perfect Joker is that will never be topped, correct? Hamill. 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 Just like Kevin Conroy is the best Batman. In oh yeah. I, I I have a hard time. I loved Heath Ledger's Joker, so I feel like there's a special place in my heart for him. But I do love Mark Hamill's Joker. Batman the oh. animated series yeah. is Chef's Kiss. Is just my favorite. Read a comic book with the Joker in it, and then come back and tell me which voice you hear. If you hear, Heath oh, it's going to be. Give you a fair <laughs> no, it's going <laughs> to be. Obviously, it's going to be Mark Hamill. Yeah. Well, okay. So your fourth favorite film, I think you said, was Amadeus, right? Yeah. All right. So I typically spend time at number one. I haven't seen it in a while. I need to watch it again. Well, it's a good coincidence. It's a great idea that we had you on here. So, which operas or or- orchestral performances have you seen live? Orchestral performances, uh, many. Operas, uh, professionally, I've seen Don Giovanni and, was it La Boheme or Madame Butterfly? I want to say Madame Butterfly. Madame Butterfly. 
Final answer. My wife. Um, I've seen Don Giovanni professionally and college. Oh, saw Otello on, uh, they broadcast that on uh, PBS. And have I performed with any operas? No, that's too stressful. Orchestral performances. Um, I did a couple pop concerts playing electric bass. That was fun. Oh, very interesting. Why do you say it's stressful, by the way, to uh, perform in a opera? More so than an orchestral performance. Oh, they're long and you're stuck down in the uh, pit and there's usually fewer instruments. So like for me, as a bassist, I've done musicals. Uh-huh. They're also long, but as a bassist, I'm typically the only bassist. So there's no room. If the bass screws up, then the chord sounds different than the singers get mm. off. I didn't think about all those interlinking elements before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're the only one, if you make a mistake, it's really on you. <laughs> no one's there to pick up your slack. Let's get on to more Amadeus Focus questions. Well, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your first memories uh, with this film? I don't think we saw it in the theater. My mom rented it because she thought it looked cool. It's one of those. She would also bring home unusual movies. I was really surprised the day she brought home Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you? I loved it. She was not. Uh, oh, I had to be like 15 or 16 at that point. Oh, that okay. was our mom-son thing. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, uh, Amadeus, it was, uh, I don't know, however long after it came out. She brought it home from Blockbuster or the video store next to our music store. And that is the movie that inspired me to be a composer. Well, incredible. So you still have a, a soft spot in your heart for it. What do you think the performers in the movie, how, how did they do? With your uh, with your eye uh, looking at it now as a uh, as our expert witness, what do you think? <laughs> uh, uh, the first thing that needs to be known is this movie is a whole lot of fiction. Yep. <laughs> um, there is absolutely little or no basis in history for several big points. Now, F. Murray Abraham, who was actually playing the piano, pretty sure Tom Holtz was too. Uh, both are brilliant. I love both of their performances. I mean, F. Murray Abraham just is absolutely horrifying and at the same time funny. And I felt sorry Tom for him. Holtz is mostly funny. I felt yeah. I felt sorry for Sally Sally through the whole movie. I thought that he was a pitiable yeah. person. Yep, Salieri and Steppenwolf, man. They're, they're both very sad. <laughs> Never thought I'd have that comparison, but I like it. <laughs> Steppenwolf just wanted to go home. Salieri just wanted to be a famous composer. He just wanted to be good. Um, he just wanted to be adored. Yeah. The big thing I saw, and I don't know if this you count this as the, the conducting thing, there weren't conductors until the early 19th century. No one. Oh. Oh, I had no idea. So I know that uh, Holtz, he actually trained in conducting so that he'd be good at it and he would give a convincing performance, but that was not actually yeah. a thing yet. No, the, um, he actually, Mozart probably would have been playing, um, a, a concert master violin. They well, had conductors by the time Beethoven was in his prime, but before that, no. Right. Interesting. So that, that is actually fascinating. I did not know that. So can I ask you a very serious question that's going to sound mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> phenomenally stupid. What is the point of a conductor? And could it be replaced um, by a metronome? Well, no, you'd hear a metronome. Well, they metronome put it put earpieces in or something. Well, no, they do that in like, uh, they have conductors and earpieces in like Broadway musicals. Uh, opera is still, if you haven't been to an opera, they're on mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be very quiet. Yeah, um, the yeah. Singers, if you're in a small room with an opera singer, they will blow you out the back door. But in a theater... <laughs> But because that's they're trained to do that, but yeah, it's um, no, a conductor, uh, that's a really good question. Uh, well, now, if you try to play the right of spring without a conductor, I bet you a professional orchestra could do it. Um, but they, they do serve a purpose. Um, 
a lot of times, once you're in a performance, their purpose has been served. It's generally in rehearsal. They are, ah. they, they, they get the, like, if you watch Dudamel rehearse the orchestra, you'll get an idea of what they do. I love one time he was, he, when he was very young, rehearsing Los Angeles Phil, telling him that he wanted more blood. He's <laughs> like, Beethoven <laughs> requires more blood. Right. He's more violent. Um, telling all these old white men to do that. Um, all right. So it's, it's more funny. of a, it's kind of, it's getting them, uh, rehearsing them. And is it almost kind of directing them? Like we, we need well, more he, intensity here or, you know, whatever. And yeah, kind of, the left hand is doing the beat, but if you watch most conductors, the left hand will wander off and they won't keep the beat. Yeah. But the, it's the right hand, the, um, you know, building the, you know, they can command the orchestra to get louder and quieter and they can interpret the pieces differently, especially modern. Well, not too modern. Cause after a while, some composers love to put in every little articulation. Mm-hmm. Don't leave it so open to, to interpretation. Others like me have, I've given up on real orchestras and I use synthetic ones and they sound really good. And they do exactly the what you tell them. Strength, yes. But yeah, <laughs> conductors are essential for film music because they have to keep them in line with the timing of the movie. Ah, okay. All right. So I've seen some behind the scenes things of, for example, Dark Knight, uh, which I believe was Hans Zimmer. Was that Hans Zimmer? Dark Knight, the, sec- the first two were Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard. Hans Zimmer did the Batman music and James Newton Howard did the more uh, emotional music. Okay. I remember seeing the behind the scenes on making the very stressful note whenever Joker was in the scene. And it was, I think it was two notes that interplayed together that sounded kind of discordant. Yeah, he is a cellist that does that. That's one of his techniques. And I got the uh, same, Hans Zimmer did a master class, so I bought the same software synthesizer he uses and he makes all his own sounds but it also has his sounds and it has that one and i love that i saw that all the time uh it's super cool that's a very modern music technique yeah yeah they just the notes just kind of slide and you can use the uh mod wheel on your keyboard to just make them come closer or further and they'll go all the way to a full second and it's really neat yeah yeah but yeah i love that so uh, i was curious so in the the movie they do a very interesting job of showing how um, composers um, and music writers can really visualize every piece of the song when they're looking at the sheet music. Um, now, I've played very basic piano, and that is the end of my musical talents list. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, in your experience, when you're reading sheet music, do you get that full, complete picture? How realistic do you think that is, that kind of imagery? Uh, it depends on if you know the piece or not. Some people do. I, I do okay. I can get a general idea by looking, but maybe back then, yeah. Back then, music had very strict rules it adhered by. Nowadays, you're not going to pick up a Stravinsky score if you've never heard Rite of Spring, look at Rite of Spring. you be like, wow, I know this is going to sound like, and then turn it on. You're like, well, that is not what I thought that was going to sound like. But then again, some people are better at ear training than others. Like if I pick up a score of something I know, like for instance, Wagner, uh, Tristan, Unasolda, the interlude or prelude or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I can hear that. I'm just kind of curious. What is your favorite piece of music? And that encompasses modern music and classical. Yeah. Movies have so much more freedom now. Like Tom Holkenberg was doing the Batman theme because Hans Zimmer didn't want to try to do Batman because he had just done a trilogy of Batman movies. And he thought, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to compose for the same character. And then what, Tom Holkenberg did are these really big, angry minor chords and atonality mixed in and 
doing a, a motion, a chord progression that Mozart literally would have hurt his ears. So they, <laughs> they, they were. Yeah. Do you think Mozart so would nowadays, have been more when, a Danny Elfman kind of person? I think Mozart a good question. would have been. I like um, that. No, I think he was more out of the box. He would have been more of a, the woman that composed the music for the Joker or her. I can't pronounce her name. I'll remember it, actually. I feel bad. She won the Oscar. Yeah, I don't know. Either that or Mozart would be uh, uh, very much a um, a populist, a Hans Zimmer or a... Hilder. Probably not uh, a John Williams. You don't think yeah, you would like Hilder, John Williams? John Williams sounds more like Beethoven. Yeah, Sorry. so Allison, take a, take a stab at this name. Hilder uh, Gun. Oh, gee. You should not put a D right before an N. <laughs> well, but it's a D with a bent over stem with a, a, a diacritic on top. Yeah. Uh, uh, it looks Scandinavian. The, the name does. Oh, gosh. Here with Mozart. That's really important. Everyone's been pronouncing Mozart correctly. It's Mozart with the kind of hard H in the middle of it. Huh. Mozart <laughs> makes me cry. Mozart. <laughs> well, I've made Mozart, him. Um, my nickname for him in my notes is Motsy. Motsy. <laughs> Not Wolfie. I've been calling him Wolfie. I've been calling him Wolfie. Yeah, you said you said it in a very kind of uh, like Bavarian Wolfie. milkmaid Wolfie. So I I was born I in Germany. Whole... So I'm, I'm... <laughs> oh nice. Yeah. I had a whole three or four years of doing Tom Holtz's laugh, much to my. Oh, oh, give us a cool. give us a rendition. Social. Oh no! Come on, you can do it. I, I believe in have, you. I don't have my falsetto anymore. I smoked too many years. <laughs> Shame. Uh, maybe oh, yeah. by the end of the episode, you'll feel a lot. Yeah, we need to get some drinks in you, like they had to do for uh, the yeah, whole. Yeah, I was about to say, if you if you wanted that, we probably should have been recording around eight o'clock with my uh, oh. my talisker in hand. All right, next time, next time. <laughs> Back to the performances of the actors. One thing that's really. All right, there's a few things the movie does that is a disservice oh. to Mozart. Well, do tell. Salieri. Well, obviously, Mozart and Salieri were not enemies. Mm-hmm. They were they were actually friends. Um, they uh, did variations of each other's music, which was not the insult it was meant seems to be in the movie. Right. And Mozart did not compose straight from his head onto the page. Mozart, if you look back at his letters... He was often saying that, you know, he he spent months working out things, doing sketches, doing ah. this and that. I think his wife burned all of that stuff when he died. Oh, interesting. Because I think, she, wasn't she instrumental in, in setting up some sort of either a biography or a museum of his stuff, of his work, after he was dead? Yeah, I'm talking about sketches. He's one of the rare composers that kept his childhood works, and most of those sound like his father and not him. Mm. Um, other composers trash those. They don't want people to hear what they were writing. Well, sure, yeah, yeah. It wasn't special that he wrote music as a child. What was special is that he was a violin and piano prodigy as a child. That's undisputed. He had uh, not photographic memory. It's like I call it phonographic memory. I don't know if that's the real term, but he could remember something you heard and dictate it. I think it, um, the general oh, term musicians are taught to dictate is eidetic memory. Isn't that the yeah. tonal eidetic memory? Yeah. So the is the one. the scene with Salieri uh, composing the march for um, for Amadeus is that plausible that he would have been able to just memorize that simple march um, just so quickly? Oh yeah, it's just like get the song stuck in your head, and it's very simple. But the variations that he did on it, Salieri could do that too. 
that's what all musicians were taught to do. Okay, um, so like some people have provide. conversations, I say some people, I would include myself in those people, would have conversations about which superhero is stronger than another superhero. Who, <laughs> who do you think is the stronger musician, and by how much, between Salieri and Mozart? Oh, Mozart, because you know Mozart's music has survived more, but Salieri is not out of there. There are some ensembles out there that, that are devoted to his music. He's well-loved. Well, I, yeah, I heard um, that after uh, no, the movie came out. Was a, a, you know, Mozart changed music. He moved it forward. He almost invented the romantic style of music. I mean, if you look at Don Giovanni and the Requiem, although parts of the Requiem are very much Baroque style, other parts of it are very much more romantic style and very less the classical style. So he kind of moved the needle. And we have no way of knowing as a performer who was better. I think Salieri was actually a singer. And oh, interesting. I don't think we saw him sing in the movie. Mozart sang a little <laughs> bit at the very around. end. He was sick in bed yeah. and he was singing as he was dictating the uh, the notes to Salieri. That Salieri did not write one note of music from dictation from us. That was absolute drama. That seems so interesting <laughs> that they Meyer went in that direction. Finished the Requiem. Yeah. Sussmeyer finished the Requiem for Mozart. That is the last music he wrote on it. The Lacrimosa and the, the Confutatis. The Confutatis Malediction. Then the Lacrimosa. And then he had sketched out the rest of it. And Seussmeyer, one of his students, finished it. And yes, he had students. So it really was the piece that killed him. Nah, it was the ghost of his he, father. He, he, he uh, probably got walking pneumonia, I think, is the last theory I heard. Yeah, I, I read different theories. Pneumonia was one. Uh, liver failure was another. Um, he he went septic. Did, was he put in a mass grave like they showed in the movie? Yeah, I don't think they made that part up. Well, they, there's no grave for Mozart. They might have put up a... I'm sure they put something up. Um, I know his house is in Vienna is still there, and you can go and see the piano he played on. I don't know if they let you touch it or not, but uh, oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I think they did that to all people who owed debts, didn't they? Debts or uh, possible uh, communicable disease because of the lie that they threw upon him. Yeah, I was wondering uh, about the yeah. lie. Were they doing that for the smell or to? No, it's to to mm. reduce the the spread. They thought that that would prevent germs from leaking out of the right grave. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I just cover it in dirt. Is, is I don't think I don't think viruses survive in dead bodies. That's the funny part. <laughs> they had interesting ideas back then, didn't they? Yeah. Well, he had too many All ghosts in his blood. He had many ghosts in his blood. Fact. Yeah, Scientific yeah. fact. Just needed um, some leeches. You asked about the operas. That's probably a little unrealistic for what they did back then, although I heard they were pretty cool. But someone famous did the operas, and I, I don't want to say Twyla Tharp and not know that it was Twyla Tharp. Oh, Tharpe, I, I think it was Martha. Was it Martha dance. Graham? Um, pretty sure it wasn't Martha Stewart. <laughs> Mm, are you sure? I don't know. Well, it could have been. No, it was very uh, talented. It, it was Twyla Tharp. You're right. Uh, I just sorry. I looked oh, it up. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, because <laughs> right, I, I couldn't remember if it was Martha Graham or Twyla. Okay, yeah. So it's probably a little more ostentatious than would have been during the time, but it was cool. I think more realistic probably would have been the um, common opera. But that actor that always plays bad guys. Something like that. So Simon Callow um, is who you all are referring to. He was actually yeah. in uh, some of the stage uh, productions of Amadeus. Oh. Um, hey. Along with and Sir Amadeus Ian McKellen. Is, yeah. Amadeus is based on a, a, a play that was written shortly after Salieri's death, I believe. Mm -hmm. ah. Because he was apparently on his deathbed raving, but he was like 
had dementia or something. So yeah. So was he claiming to have killed Mozart as he was in the movie? Uh, I don't know. Not so, probably. I yeah. don't know. It's you know how word spread back then. Is there's no reliable. He, he never wrote anything down mm-hmm. um, that I'm aware of. But the play, the original, and this movie, if you think about, it, is kind of the Cain and Abel parable. They use Salieri and the Requiem music to frame the whole thing is really cool. So it's been a long time since I read my Bible, but uh, the Cain and Abel story was about two brothers, one of which was marked by God because of something. I don't remember what. And so would that have been the Salieri character, I suppose? Or maybe you're you're a very non-religious person. The same. (laughs) (laughs) One had to kill the other. And now a lot of people in fiction have said that Cain is like the first vampire. So I thought that was pretty cool and kind of made me want to read the story and see if I can make a vampire thing out of it. But no, I think (laughs) Anne Rice made Cain the first vampire. Jesus, surely. Um, But yeah. Sorry, he was this. (laughs) He was a zombie, more like. Cain would have come before him. So um, Pushkin wrote the the original uh, short play in 1830 about Mozart and Salieri, but the um, from my research, uh, it was uh, Karl Ditters von Dittersdorf, uh, great name, who actually had more of the feuds with um, Amadeus than, yeah. than Salieri. Yeah. So Dittersdorf. Yeah, that's, I, I wasn't. I couldn't remember. Couldn't remember the name. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he had a feud with Mozart. Yeah. Mozart. He he wrote a lot of. Um, uh, Articles about him for, uh, I guess, some kind of print news leaflets back then, trying to oh. scandalize him. Uh-oh. Things never change. Huh? <laughs> Mozart was a dirty little man. Um, he wrote a <laughs> song about farting or something or pooping. I don't know. He wrote um, music about it. Um, <laughs> he wrote an opera about flatulence. About himself <laughs> pooping himself? No, it was just a song. It was just a single song. But yeah, uh, he, he, he always made jokes like that, just like in the movie. Were any of his songs that he did about pooping himself or farting or whatever he did, did any of those become very famous? Would those be works that I might know? The Mozart Dirty Songs. <laughs> I'm almost scared to Google that. The There's got to be a playlist made somewhere. <laughs> I got it. Three dirty songs by Mozart. Mental floss. Oh, oh you and I just hit the oh, same. Oh yes, there's "Lick Mich im Arsch," which is literally "Lick My Ass." Mona Knox is a four voice canon and scatological zingers. They actually say that in this article. Was that some of his uh, younger works <laughs> when he was a, a kid? I would uh, hope. No, I think these are when he's an adult. Here's the line. The line is the line is shit in your bed and make it first. <laughs> oh, I think I just. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. And you know what? That sounds like a fantastic note to end on. If I'm honest, I'm becoming uh, very from- <laughs> aware of the time that you've spent with us. You've spent over an hour with us and I want to thank you very much. And uh, I think unless you've got a closing statement to make for this movie, I think we can let you go. I'll just say that one, the, the scene where he, uh, with Costanza, that was a little out of character. But other than that, this movie is art. Um, it's 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 high order cinema, but just don't believe any of it. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful stuff. It's all false. So if so I so much fiction, they don't compose like that. They um, the music is wonderful, and it's a great way. It's but it's about as real as the the Looney Tunes classical music. It's just as valuable. I love it. I love <laughs> to get it. get people to listen to classical music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, very good. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Jess. Thank you. Check out, check out his composer's tape. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you got to search it because the URL is ludicrous. I can send you all the URL if you have want to put it in the description. But. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll plug you on our, uh, on our pages and when we drop the episode. 
Yep. All right. If I get to 100 subscribers, we get a real link. All right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And, and we will mention you on our show, too. All right. Excellent. Very good. Thanks for uh, being with us. And uh, we'll talk to you later. All righty. Have a good one. All right. Well, there you go. How do you like that? Dr. Jess Music. From Composer Scapes. I call him Jess Music uh, because... Composer Capes. Excuse me. Com- composer Capes. I, I said Scapes. I guess... Scapes would work. Yeah. I think he should change it. <laughs> yeah, let's phone him back up. <laughs> Let me get him back on the line here. He's missed a trick. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was really exciting. We, we very seldom get uh, expert panelists. Uh, I think our last... So we, we have different fans and friends we've invited on. I think the closest thing that we've come to a subject matter expert was our friend Christopher Bartlett. Yeah, who came on for Lost Boys. Yeah. And that was a very good episode. Now, I don't know if it was him that made it good or if it was Lost Boys that made it good. Maybe it was you and I. We were just popping off that episode. We I don't know. We were just We were popping back and forth. The repartee was fast and inappropriate and we... Did we ever get to the bottom of our vampire discussion? No. Did we bring it? I meant to bring it back up in uh, hundred episodes. No, no, an interview with a vampire very oh. recently, oh. and I didn't. You missed it. You'll have to can, wait for the next vampire can movie. Ju- can we? <laughs> nope. nope. <sighs> next vampire movie. Can't believe it. <laughs> I am genuinely upset that I forgot to bring that up again. So I will say, there's other vampire movies that we will watch, and you can bring it up then. All right. When's the next vampire movie we're doing? Or not when, but which? That's a good question. Uh, let's let's contemplate off screen because I forget which ones you've seen, which ones you haven't. Okay. All right. You and I, we're gonna have to confer. A little tete tete. This is gonna have to. I need to. I need this to happen. <laughs> it's it. it's something weighing on my soul, and I need to get it out. <laughs> anyway, all right. So we've been going for a little over an hour. I think we can keep going a little bit. Let's just get into a couple of the uh, timestamps for the movie. Yeah, let's. So the last we saw of the the film. We got up into about the 35-minute mark where um, uh, Mozart, Air Mozart, Mozart. um, was required to defend why he wanted German as the language for the music um, for his first opera uh, for uh, the Emperor of Vienna. And... Uh, just talking about German values, and he was mocked a little bit by the Italians. My next timestamp is at the 40-minute mark, where we really see uh, Salieri's jealousy um, coming through uh, with one of his ingenues that he's training. Uh, and I'm sorry, you said ingenues? Yes, a bit person um, trying to be the next diva, an ingenue, and new talent this is a word i don't know and it sounds very sophisticated it seems like if i went into a very sophisticated dinner party Mm -hmm. and someone said that word and i didn't know what it was i would be laughed at so funny story i had that happen recently where i had to um define innocuous to someone because i had inadvertently made them feel foolish for not knowing that word can i just say now that they should have felt that way yeah well that's a (laughs) commonish word (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i I struggled to define it because I thought it was a basicer word. <laughs> yeah. It's like coming to first principles with uh, philosophy. It's hard to describe what very basic things are because yeah. usually those basic things are used to describe more complex things. Yeah. It's, it's very hard. Yeah. So describe just, what red is. Red's a fruit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a Simpsons quote. <laughs> Orange certainly is. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the fruit... Uh, calling it an orange probably predates the color being called orange. 
Oh, interesting. It was pro- the color is probably called orange because the fruit was called orange. Well, it's so, apt. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> they did a good job. I mean, it was obvious, but <laughs> yeah. So, so an ingenue is a budding talent. All right, so let's watch this ingenue. Is is it French? Is my accent there appropriate? Ingenue. I believe ingenue is French. Do you have to do a big grunt at the beginning? Ingenue. I think you do. I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> Can't escape that fact. I don't know about you, but I'm watching his hands a lot now. Well, I'm just looking at him compose or conducting, and I'm like, oh, "You liar! You were not <laughs> not back then. You didn't. People didn't do that until several several years into the future. I don't remember what year he Nin- said. Yeah, yeah, I forget the exact year. But now but I'm 19 also something. Watching the right and left hands to see if they're doing what they ought to. Yes, he said the left hand should keep beat, and the right hand goes crazy and uh, creates emphasis. Mm-hmm. Emphasis. That harlot. I don't know where they met or how. There she stood. On stage for all to see. Showing off like the greedy songbird she was. I don't know why he had that opinion of her. He's rolling her eyes at her. Why is he? Well, I know he wants to bed her, and he's upset that she's that Mozart seems to have caught her eye instead of uh, him. But he's upset that a singer has gotten a gig singing. Yeah, because he wanted uh, her to have loyalty to him only. The greedy songbird. Yeah, it, it, he even says, I loved her or was in lust with her. I can't tell which, but I was very upset at the time. But he was self-aware enough to know that, that it might have just been lust. Yeah. <laughs> Ghastly scales of pages whizzing up and down like fireworks at a fairground. Understand, I was in love with the girl, or at least in lust. <laughs> you have no idea how much funnier that is, because I know his character from Mythic Quest, in which he's a sleazy drunk <laughs> author. Yeah, he's hilarious. I never laid a finger on her mm. because his promise to God is his promise to Jesus. I couldn't bear to think of anyone else touching her. Least of all, the creature. The creature. So my next timestamp, because I want to not get us in trouble for music. Um, well, this is ancient music. But it's a new recording of ancient music. But no one could possibly know who recorded it. <laughs> I think we know. <laughs> uh, well, if I won't testify against you if you won't testify against me. Handshake deal. deal. 
this is the most awkward handshake here. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were trying to do both hands at once. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell, but what we're doing is hilarious. <laughs> yes, you've got to believe us. Just start laughing. <laughs> so, uh, 4351, not too far from here. Oh, see, minus 44, so I believe it will blend. Nice. It will blend nicely. But I can't see my notes because I don't have my computer, so this is just off the top of my dome. Oh, speaking of computers... Duh. I owe you a debt of gratitude. I'll collect now. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> so uh, you apparently gave guidance to Mark on the fact that I need a new laptop. Yes. Yes. He texted me and I gave him some recommendations. Now, I'm going to get... Did he give you one? Not yet. Okay. Do you know which one you're getting? Not yet. Does he know which one he's getting? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I doubt it's going to be one of the ones that I sent. As a recommendation. Now, I, I gave him two computers that were identically priced. They had the same size screen, the same amount of space inside, and one was faster than the other. One is cooler than the other, but he's not going to choose that one. <laughs> so I will say that how you were describing it, it very much reminded me of my cousin Vinny when they're talking about the identical cars. Length, width, Height. <laughs> Height? Is Father's Day coming up? Yeah, it's in June. Um, you know what I was th saying the other day to my dad? I was saying that Father's Day and Mother's Day need to go away. Like, your birthday is Mother and Father's Day. That's that's when it should be. There are too many holidays around the calendar year that require giving gifts. It should be consigned to Christmas and one's birthday. And in fact, I think we should have one birthday day a year. For everyone? For everyone. Every, every other day is the so, unbirthday. Because you can plan your expenses. Right? Mm -hmm. There are too many birthdays throughout the year. There are too many other holidays that require spending money. And uh, it's too much. It's too much for people. Too much. Too much. It's too much. Uh, it is June 20th. The day after Juneteenth. Oh, yeah. Hey, how about that? How about that? Um, Jubilee Celebration Day, Liberation Day, Emancipation Day. Keep that with you always. Sorry, I just love the, the Emperor so much. I love the Emperor, too. So the Emperor has come onto the stage to congratulate... The performers in Air Mozart. Well, Air Mozart, a good effort. Oh, well, decidedly that. An excellent effort. You have shown us something... Sexy. Quite new tonight. It is new. It is, isn't it, sire? Yes, indeed. So, then you liked it. You, you really liked it, sire. Well, of course I did. It's very good. Of course, now and then, just, just, just now and then, it, it, it seemed a touch, um... What do you mean, sire? Well, I mean, uh, occasionally it seems to have, um... Oh, how should, how one, should say? one say um, How should how one, shall one say, director? <laughs> Too many notes, your majesty. Exactly. Very well put. Too many notes. <laughs> he says that so casually, like so matter of fact, like too many notes. We did the accounting. There were just too many of them. And I just, I love how boyish he seems here because you can just see that desperation uh, for some kind of paternal approval. From Mozi? <laughs> From Mozi. Mm. Yes, I, I agreed. I actually think that the emperor seems a bit boyish also. I don't know how old he was supposed to have been at this point, but. Emperor Michael Scott? You, you say he's Michael Scott. I don't know. He seems more nice Andy Bernard. and kind-hearted than Michael Scott. Yeah, without the the uh, anger problems. Yeah. <laughs> that, so later season Andy Bernard. 
Um, but he se- just seems very boyish, and he, he kind of goes with the, whatever the mood is in the room. He, he lets his advisors advise him, which I think is good, but he just seems very, I don't know. And there it is. And <laughs> there it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand. There are just as many notes, Majesty, as are required, neither more nor less. Well, my dear fellow, there, there are, in fact, only so many notes the ear can hear in the course of an evening. I think I'm right in saying that, aren't I, court composer? So he immediately defers off to somebody else. He's not confident enough in himself to, to make that stance. Yeah. Um, but I like that Mozart, he though he may be uh, begging for approval or, you know, kind of still desperate. For, he's still very arrogant. Yeah. Enough to stand up to an emperor and say, no, there are exactly as many notes as there should be. <laughs> no more, no less. Yes. Yes. On the whole, yes, Majesty. This is absurd. (laughs) My dear young man, don't take it too hard. Your work is ingenious. It's quality work. And there are simply too many notes. That's all. Just cut a few and it'll be perfect. Which few did you have in mind, Majesty? (laughs) Great line, but my mom has said that my entire life. Too many notes. (laughs) Especially when reviewing food. Sometimes she tastes it... Too many notes. She's not one who likes a large spice blend. Well, she probably does. She just likes to quote the movie. She, oh, okay. she loves this movie. And she I think she and the rest of my family just use that phrase occasionally because it's funny. <laughs> so there was, there was one movie, and I forget what it's called, but it was with uh, Chris Rock and Anthony Hopkins. And Chris Rock is trying to be a spy. And Anthony Hopkins. Chris Rock and Anthony Hopkins. I don't remember such a movie. Well, there's one scene where he's sipping wine and he's trying to act like he knows what he's talking about. And he's like, fruity, but never precocious. (laughs) And I use that all the time. (laughs) But (laughs) I just, that description, for some reason, the never precocious part really tickles me because like there are some things that it's not precocious yet, but I can tell it's going to be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But this one I know will never be precocious. It's called Bad Company. Oh, what year? Uh, 2002. 2002. Okay. Well, I missed out on this masterpiece, this masterwork. So they, they had to hire uh, the twin brother of the Ivy League CIA agent to kind of pretend to be the CIA agent. They had to pretend that he was still alive. So they got the... the so wait, Chris Rock was Anthony Hopkins' twin brother? No, no, no. Chris Rock was Chris Rock's twin brother. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was going to say, because there, there are many differences between those two actors. Yeah. It was... It, a weird movie, and I don't remember why I went to see it because it definitely was not out 2002 Allison's taste, but I saw it. <laughs> Wait, I think was I was it was someone, date. yeah, I was gonna say it yeah. was a date sort of thing, yeah. yeah. And uh, did you end up liking it? I remember that one line to this day, but I remember nothing else about the movie. Hey, at some level, that it makes a powerful movie. You <laughs> remembered a line for decades, yeah. <laughs> oh, god, literal decades, yeah. <laughs> in one more year, it will have been. <laughs> So this is where, uh, Majesty, this is Frau Weber. She's my landlady. Is, uh, his lady's mother. Oh, sire, such an honor. She just looks so possessed. (laughs) This is my dear daughter, Constance. Have we talked about how buxomy she is? Uh, not yet, but... Every time we see her, it's just like, hello. <laughs> her bossoms 
are absolutely, I don't know if that's because of like the type of dress it is. I mean, the corset it, helps. Yeah, but good. Squishes everything up. God. <laughs> she's, she seems like a petite person. Yeah. Uh, it, I think I for guess. her frame, she's. Uh, she is the fiance of Herr Mozart. Really? Really? <laughs> the ingenue looks at him with disdain. The ingenue? Oui. We've just learned oui. about this. Oh, oui. See, I already am an expert in French. Of the two languages referenced in this movie, French is not one of them. Uh, but we decided that ingenue was French. Yeah, no, but in the movie, we have Italians and Germans. Austrians. Austrians, excuse me. <laughs> the mother is hilarious. The mother um, has her daughter brought onto the stage, and now she's beating some soldiers to help lift her <laughs> onto the stage. She's still standing in the pit or whatever and smacking them with a fan or something like, like that. Like, yoo <laughs> When do you marry? Well, uh, well we, 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 we haven't exactly received my father's consent yet. Not, not entirely, not altogether. <laughs> Excuse me, but um, how old are you? I love this guy's face. I've just now started looking at it, but this is the most pretentious face I think I've ever seen. So standing just behind the emperor on his right shoulder is this kind of bemused chap. Whoops. Oh, we closed the movie. We are done with the movie. The podcast 26. is over. <laughs> I've got him back. All right. So, yeah, just the most pretentious face. He's got his nose up in the air with his lips Cursed, like he is trying to crush a bug in them. Well, that's more like raspberry style. Purse, like it's it's wider but thin. That, but you're like curling up the under the the top part of the. Okay, that stretch out the edges a little bit. Yes, that's. <laughs> this was a weird facial exercise that no one could see. I know nobody could see we what was just a happening. bad time to stop editing. <laughs> Yeah, that's all right. I've totally forgot we weren't editing anymore. This is going to be an interesting episode. So, <laughs> the Snyder cut of our. <laughs> it really is. All right, let's get through this thing and then we can wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> well, my advice is for you to marry this charming young lady and young stay with lady. us in Vienna. You see? You see? <laughs> I told him that, Your Majesty, but he won't listen to me. Oh, Your Majesty, you give such wonderful, such. Oh, royal advice. I may. I Hang on before she says her next line, which is funny, and I probably just ruined it because I paused on it. But I just want to comment on the fact that her eyes are huge, and with her little ruff and her big wig, and even some feathers in the back, she just looks like an owl. <laughs> she does, and she kind of has that birdie kind of beaky quality. Yeah, too. she's just got a bit. She's a bit beaky. <laughs> we'll nickname her Beaky. It's <laughs> a great name. Oh. She fainted. <laughs> Dead away. She was about to ask him something more impertinent than the previous mm. things. May I, Emperor? It Blam. seemed like she was about to ask, may I touch your face? Or kiss your hand. Yeah, something like that. Well, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> what a great response to a woman fainting in front of you. Well, 
There it is. I'm sure that kind of thing happened all the time. <laughs> Women back then in corsets were more prone to swooning. Well, especially in front of Senior Emperor over here. I know. Hubba, hubba. No. No. <laughs> He's a beautiful met. No. 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 <laughs> Can't even. He's royalty. He is royalty. Uh-huh. There it is. Well, there it is. All right. So I guess that's going to be it for this episode. We will pick up where we left off and finish the movie. We promise next time we took up a lot of time with a fancy interview, but I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, the next time we seldom get subject matter experts. So it's exciting. It was and it was a big one. He is a pro. He is a professional. He's a doctor. And by God, he was a nerd. Yeah. And you know how we feel about nerds in here. We celebrate them. We smash in their faces and take their lunch money. We pull their underwear up over their heads, give them a big old wedgie, and smack them on the face, wet willy style. Metaphorically? No. No. Well, it's a good thing. Different states. (laughs) Different states. Oh, I thought, for some reason, I thought you were talking about different states have different laws on these things. You can wet willy people in Maryland, but you can't in New Jersey or wherever. Actually, uh, it's anywhere that is north of the Mason-Dixon line, uh, wet willies are subject to higher fines. Oh, is that true? Which state does he live in? Massachusetts. That's right. Uh, well, that's a shame. That's a, that's a damn shame. Um, not for, for multiple reasons, I suppose, but also because we can't give him wet willy without uh, the ramifications being more severe. That, and it's, uh, you know, uh, crossing state lines, I think, can affect. Oh, so it's federal at that point. <laughs> so we were subject to federal fines for the wet willying. <laughs> then they'd have to, you know, ask Maryland to release us to the custody of yeah, it's fair a, enough. It's a whole, we, we don't want to get into that kind of legal. It's a whole kettle of wax, so we don't <laughs> want to get into that. All right, so next time on RTR, it's going to be part three, and I think we don't have anything special. We're just going to get through the rest of the movie, give, us, give the ratings to you guys, and we're going to be jamming. Yeah. All right, Groovy Tunes. All right, so thank you very much for joining us on this one. Please join us for part three, the final episode, the flipping, you know, uh, Last of the Jedi, the uh, Force Awakens. No, the the Rise of Skywalker, the Revenge of the Sith. This is number three, the final one. Yeah. Until the next trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So in the meantime, I wait. Hang, do you want to do your thing? Oh, uh, we <laughs> it took you so long. <laughs> so uh, we would like to thank Julian Crowhurst for the use of our theme song. I am not doing the sound effect this time because he disappointed me by not coming on being a subject matter expert. Well, the, there's still time. I suppose he could make it in time for the third episode. So I maybe just give him a single call. <sighs> uh, call. <laughs> Quizzical call. Call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so next time we'll be concluding Amadeus. I'm Allison. I've been Zach. Bye-bye. Bye.